Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The majority of people are struggling with money. The majority of people are broke, unhappy, and unfulfilled. And a lot of people want to know how they can make money. You have to know how to use your money as a tool. That way you can use your money to make you wealthy instead of making everybody else rich. (laughs) I don't have any money. Let's just say I'm a 28-year-old. You can become wealthy. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you live, how much you're earning today, or what degree you have. Money is not such a bad thing. Because if you're constantly pointing fingers saying rich people are bad, wealthy people are evil, how How are you going to become wealthy yourself? See, most people assume that money is just a numbers game. How do you stop the financial bleeding? How do you stop the money from always leaving your bank account? Once you can break that, now you can be okay with, I will become wealthy. There's three keys or three factors that will determine how wealthy you become. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Millennial Mind. If you're struggling with money and it's impacting your relationships, your mental health, and your overall happiness, this podcast will change so much for you. In this interview, I talk a lot about personal responsibility with Just Breathe, and I really want to encourage all of you to make notes throughout this podcast because I have learned so much from it. Really quickly, I also want to tell you that if you're struggling to hit your goals, then this year in December, I'm hosting my in-person goal-setting workshop event where I'll be going through how you can manage your goals and make sure that 2024 is your year. I'm going to leave the link in the bio and I really hope to meet so many of you in person. I'm really excited for you to share this podcast with you. So let's get started. Just breathe. Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you for having me. And welcome to the UK. Oh, welcome. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. This is your first time visiting and I'm very grateful you took the time to sit down with me today because a lot of people are struggling in their financial life. A lot of people feel stuck in their financial situation and a lot of people want to know how they can make money. Well, those are very important topics. So I appreciate you having me. And, you know, you were talking to me about this before, but it's very similar to the UK, uh, to the United States. You were saying that the UK, I think 46% of young people are living paycheck to 48% of people are living paycheck to paycheck. Well, if I kind of put that in context, in the United States, it's just over 60%. Wow. So the unfortunate truth is the majority of people are struggling with money. The majority of people have little to no savings, and the majority of people have little to no investments, and they have no idea of what to actually do to get out of that situation. And so what do we do is we follow what everybody else is doing. Well, when you follow what everybody else is doing, you're going to end up just like everybody else. And unfortunately, the majority of people are broke, unhappy, and unfulfilled. 
And when I say that, I'm not just saying words. I mean, statistically, the majority of people are broke, unhappy, and unfulfilled. So the question is, what do we do? And I'm hoping we'll jump into the end of this podcast. But the whole idea is now you have to know how to use your money as a tool. That way you can use your money to make you wealthy instead of making everybody else rich. <laughs> because unfortunately, when we go out and we buy that Gucci, the Louis Vuitton, somebody else is getting rich and it's not you. I love that. So powerful. But there's going to be people listening to this thinking, that's easy for you to say. You can only invest. You can only, you know, look after your money if you have money to begin with. I don't have any money. Let's just say I'm a 28-year-old. I'm on an average £30,000 salary, which mm -hmm. I think is even above average in the UK. What do I do? I have to pay for my rent. I have to pay for my food. I have to pay for my bills. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Well, I think the first thing is you have to understand that you can become wealthy. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you live, how much you're earning today, or what degree you have, you can become wealthy. There's two parts of money that you have to understand. One is what I like to call the emotional part of money, and one is the practical side of money. See, most people assume that money is just a numbers game. You spend this much, you invest this much, and you save this much, and that's all money is. But that's not true. Because if it was that simple, everybody would be wealthy because you would just look at the numbers. The first part of becoming wealthy is understanding what I call the emotional side of money, which is now understanding, one, that I can become wealthy. And number two, how does money play a part in my life? Because if you don't understand this, you're never going to have that real drive or motivation to want to become wealthy. Because if you have this negative association with money, which I think a lot of people do, I grew up with that, which is money's bad. Money's evil. Wealthy people are bad. It's just this taboo thing. You're never going to be okay trying to attract that money yourself. So you have to break through that mental barrier, that mental block of, I can become wealthy. It's not a bad thing if I become wealthy. Money is not a bad thing because money is just paper. Right? It doesn't have an emotion. Money is not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a piece of paper. Now, if you give a good person more money, you have a tool to do more good. If you give a bad person more money, you have a tool to do more bad. That means we need more good people with money. Okay, well, when you understand that, then you can also understand that money is really just fuel. It amplifies who you are. And so it brings out more of you. And when you start to understand that, you can start to accept, okay, money is not such a bad thing. It's not such a crazy thing. It's not such a taboo thing. How can I get my own money? And now you have to become okay with this concept of wealth. Because if you're constantly pointing fingers saying which rich people are bad, wealthy people are evil, all this stuff, how are you going to become wealthy yourself? Because you're not going to want to become an evil person. Of course. And if wealthy people are evil, if that's in your mind, you're not going to want to do something to do that because you're not going to want to go out and be that evil person. So you have to be okay with that. And that's that first mental hurdle. Once you can break that, now you can be okay with, I will become wealthy. I will become the first wealthy person in my family. I will be the first millionaire in my family. If you can believe that, now you can work on the practical side of how do I actually achieve that? Because you know some people get caught up in, I'm just going to sit here, close my eyes, and I'm going to manifest wealth. Well, you can sit there and manifest all day and night long, but that's never going to actually bring any money into your bank account. You got to know the practical side. And when it comes to money, there's really only three things you have to understand 
about money if you want to become wealthy. People love to overcomplicate this, but if you understand these three things, I can guarantee you will become wealthy. What are these three things? You have to understand how do you control the cash outflow? Number two, how do you control the cash inflow? And number three, how do you grow your cash? Okay. So what does that mean, right? Understanding now, number one, how do you control the cash outflow means how do you stop the financial bleeding? How do you let stop the money from always leaving your bank account? And you can almost think of your bank account like a bucket of water. Think of the money as water and your bank account as the bucket. When the money is leaving your bank account, it's like a hole just hit the bucket. And so what happens for most people is they have these big holes in their bucket that anytime money enters the bucket, money immediately leaves. And so before you focus now on trying to, how do I get more money? How do I make an extra thousand pounds a month or an extra thousand dollars a month? You got to seal the bucket. Mm. That means you can't keep spending all of your money. And this one is one of the most difficult, not just because you got to sacrifice the Gucci or the Louis Vuitton or the BMW, but because you have to go through this mental aspect of your friends criticizing you for not going on that vacation or your friends looking at you sideways for you downgrading your car or your parents wondering if you're having financial problems because you got a smaller apartment because it's very easy to look rich but it's a lot more difficult to actually become rich and ironically in order to become rich you got to stop looking rich first and that's where now, how do you do that? You got to stop the financial bleeding and you got to cut back on some of your spending. And you have to do this before you focus on earning more money. Because if you earn more money without fixing the holes in the bucket, the money is just going to leave. In America, statistically, what we have seen is as Americans make more money, they end up in a bigger financial hole. Why? Wow. Because you make more money, you can qualify for more debt. You qualify for bigger credit cards. You can qualify for more spending. So people make an extra $1,000 a month, and then they go out and spend an extra $1,200 a month. And this is where now I want you to stop focusing on the earning money before you can control the spending. And I don't care if you're making 30,000 pounds or 300,000 pounds a year. It's the same concepts because you have to be able to control the spending. Once you can do that, that's when you focus on number two. How do you increase the inflow of cash? How do you control the inflow of cash? Now, there's a million and one ways that you can do this. You can do it through your job. You can do it through a career change. You can do it through a side hustle. You can do it through starting your own business. You can start a podcast. You can start so many things. And so when people ask me, what business should I start? I have no idea. I don't know what you're good at. I don't know what you like. I don't know what your passions are. I don't know. I don't know. But you know you better than I know you. Mm. And what you have to understand is you you can earn more money. And so let's let's talk about that person who's 30,000 pounds a year. If you are investing, let's just say 10% of that, that's 3,000 pounds a year. Okay. What ends up happening to somebody in that situation is I'm living below my means. I'm investing a little bit of money. And what you'll realize pretty soon is, huh, I like this investing thing. I can see how I'm building wealth. I can see how I will become wealthy if I keep living below my means and investing the difference. But then the next question is, how can I invest more money? And the first thing that everyone will assume is, if I'm living off of 27,000 pounds and I'm investing 3,000 pounds, what if I try to live off of 25,000 pounds? I can put an additional 2,000 pounds into my investments. And you can do that. But the problem here is 
there's a limit to how many pennies you can pinch. There's a limit to how much money you can really squeeze out of this limited pie. So the question is now, how do you go from 30,000 pounds to 300,000 pounds a year? And when I say that, most people are going to say, what do you mean, Jaspreet? There's no way I'm going to be able to go from 30,000 to 300,000 pounds. Well, let's go back to what we started with. You have to believe that you can become wealthy. Because if you believe that you can increase your pie from 30,000 to 300,000 pounds, what are you going to do? You're going to start watching YouTube videos on how can I earn more money. You're going to start reading books on how can I start a business. You're going to start listening to podcasts about how do you manage and scale your income. And maybe you won't do it tomorrow. Maybe you won't do it next year. But maybe in the next few years, you'll start to see how you can really start to scale that income because it is possible. And now because of the internet, it is possible for anybody who is watching this video, understands what we're saying and has the ability to do that. If you have the internet and you can understand this, you have the ability to increase your income. So now you work to spend less. Mm -hmm. You're working to earn more. And then you have part number three, which is you invest the difference. That means putting your money and not giving it to Gucci, not giving it to Louis Vuitton, not giving it to BMW, not giving it to Mercedes-Benz, not just giving it to a landlord, but now you're going to give it back to you. And that means now you're going to go out and you're going to buy the asset. Maybe you go out and you buy a rental property. Maybe you go out and you buy shares of a company. You buy stocks in a company. Maybe you go out and you invest in your own business. Maybe you invest in somebody else's business idea. But you're spending your money not to make somebody else rich, but to make yourself rich. And that's now where the real wealth is built. We assume that wealth is built through our salary. If I can make a hundred thousand pounds a year or half a million pounds a year, I'm going to be rich. Well, that's not how it works. You will never become rich from your salary alone. You'll become rich from the assets that you own and your salary can help you buy more assets, but your assets are what make you rich. Your investments are what make you rich, not your salary. So much to unpack there. I feel like this is the first time I'm learning so many things. Even though I know this stuff, it's nice to hear it, I guess, from an expert. Because when I was going to quit my job, I was told I was making the wrong decision. Because I wasn't setting myself up for the future. I was taking a massive risk. And I was very confident in myself that this might not make me wealthy in the first few years. But eventually, in the long term, my definition of rich is freedom. My definition of rich is different from everyone else's. And my definition of rich is not having hundreds of thousands in the bank of savings. But as an Indian girl, and I think as an Indian person, a lot of the time I have been told from my perspective to constantly save. Save, 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 save. And what you say is savings will make you poor, not rich. You know, it's interesting you say that because I talk about the, the differences between the Indian culture and the American culture a lot. Because in the traditional Indian culture, people make a dollar to spend 20 cents. Correct. In the American culture, people make a dollar to spend $2. Yeah. Now, this is where people say, well, which one's right? Neither of them are right. But you have to understand the differences because the traditional Indian culture is a save heavy culture. So myself, I grew up the same way. My parents always telling me you need to save money. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You want to <laughs> save as much of it as possible, right? You can make $100,000 or pounds a year. Spend 20000 Save the other 80000 And what do you want to do? Build up a big bank account. Why do you want a big bank account? Nobody knows. Just in case you die. Or just in case something yeah. happens. Just you know? in case something happens on that rainy day. That's what they say. And you just keep saving and saving and saving. The traditional Indian culture is a save-heavy culture, which means 
The traditional Indian household was making a dollar to spend 20 cents. The traditional American culture makes a dollar to spend two dollars with the help of debt, credit card, and other forms of credit. Now the question is which one is right? And neither of them are right, but you have to understand both of these because, you know, it's funny, the traditional Indian saving household is save, 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 save. But why are we saving our money? You can make $100,000 or pounds a year and live off of 20000 and save the other 80000 but for what? And no one really knows, right? It's just save, 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 and have a big bank account. And I think that concept comes from this fear because a lot of people who grew up in India, like my parents, they tell me a lot of stories of troubling times. My yeah. parents, grandparents were refugees when our home state of Punjab was severed, so they lost everything. Uh, my parents, when they were growing up, they had a lot of financial distress. So it was just a very like rough and distressed and kind of troubling times financially. So I think the savings provide that comfort. Mm. But comfort is not where wealth is built. And this is where understanding now, why is it that your savings will never make you wealthy. And the reason is, is because of this thing called inflation, which has become very popular nowadays. And the thing you want to understand about this is inflation, without getting into all the technicals, because I want to avoid that for this topic, uh, I have a lot of videos on that, but inflation in general means that the prices of things are rising, mm -hmm. which means if you have $100 today and you want to go out and buy something that costs $100, Next year, it's going to cost you more than $100 to buy that same thing. Maybe it'll cost you $105. So if you take the $100 and you put it into the bank, and the $100 grows to maybe $101, well, if you go to buy the $105 or £105 thing, you no longer have the ability to afford that. Your savings effectively made you poorer because you did what's so-called safe. And this is where you have to understand your savings will never be able to outgrow inflation. And you might say, but I can move my money into a high interest savings account. Sure. And if you have savings, that's a great place to keep it. But if you really look at how fast the prices of things have risen, your savings will never be able to outgrow inflation. I'll tell you about America because I understand the American economy and financial system uh, much better than here. Yeah. But in America... In the early 1970s, it was a one-income household. And between the early 1970s and today, the median household income has grown by around 700%. And that sounds good. Household income has grown by almost 700, seven times. But if you compare that to things like your cost of buying a home, home ownership, your cost of buying a car, or your cost of college tuition, all three of these things have grown significantly faster than median household income. In fact, the cost of going out and buying a home is almost 2,000% more. The cost of buying a car is about 1,500% more. The cost of college tuition is also about almost 2,000% more. So now you look at this six or 700% growth in household income and you compare that to the price of things that people need and you can see, wow, there's a big discrepancy between household income and the cost of things that we need. And not just that, between 1970 and now, what changed? Today, we have two income households. Back then, it was one income households. So that means over the last five decades, you now have two people working to generate the household income. Household incomes have grown by 600% because now there's two people working. Yeah. But the prices of things have still risen way faster than people's incomes. So the cost of living 
will continue to grow even if the reported numbers say something different. What we have seen time and time again is that the cost of living will grow faster than savings, which is why you can't save all your money. Now, does this mean you shouldn't save any money? No. This means you need to know how to save your money strategically. Because why do we save our money? Why should we save our money? I should say you should save your money for three reasons. Save your money to protect you against an emergency. Save your money to make a big purchase and save your money to make an investment. If you're not saving your money for one of these three reasons, you should not save your money because I know a lot of Indian people or traditional Indian mindset people who might be watching this are going to be very confused here because mm -hmm. we're told to just save, 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 save. But you really need to start putting your money to work if you ever want to become wealthy. Now, you got to have the protection. You want to have the investments, but you need to know why you're saving. But someone will come to me. Okay, I'm just going to give an example, okay? I've saved 50,000 pounds, let's just say. And I now have another 20,000 pounds, which you're telling me I should invest. But I'm 60 years old. And that 20,000 pounds could turn into nothing because when I was younger, I've actually wasted my money on shares. People are talking around things like Bitcoin. People are talking around all of, look, look at Netflix. It's just completely plummeted. Look at Apple shares. They've completely plummeted. And I already lost 5,000 pounds last year on shares. Why should I invest my hard-earned money when I'm 60 years old and you've got 10 more years probably left to live <laughs> into a risky, risky investment? Well, I would say if you don't want to invest, don't invest. But if you want to become wealthy, you have to invest. Now, what you need to understand is most people get the concept of investing wrong. Most people assume is I need to find the next Amazon. Yeah. I need to find the next Apple. I need to find the next Meta or Facebook. But that's not how investing works for the vast majority of people who build any wealth. Because now if we focus, we'll talk about the stock market because that's what you were mentioning. There are ways for you to just invest in the stock market. Like you said, Netflix is down or whatever stock you bought, the shares you bought are down. Well, the stock market is up over the last 100 years. And so now instead of you trying to find the perfect company, what if you could just invest your money into the stock market? Or what if you could just invest your money into the largest 500 companies in the stock market? Or what if you could invest your money just into technology mm. or healthcare or dividend paying companies, meaning companies that are paying you with cash flow? What about that? And this is where now you have to understand what are your investment goals and what is your investment interest? Because a lot of people just start throwing their money into the stock market thinking, this is how I become wealthy. Now, where are you putting your money? You throw your money into whatever is popular. You look on the news. This news site says that uh, Netflix is going to be amazing. I'm going to throw my money there. And then six months later, I've lost half of my money. Well... This is why you cannot just follow the popular media if you want to actually become wealthy. You actually have to have financial education. So what does that mean? There are funds. And in the United States, you have three different types of funds. You have ETFs, mutual funds, and index funds. These funds can give you exposure to a basket or a group of stocks. For example, there are funds that give you exposure to the total stock market. There are funds that will give you exposure to the S&P 500, the largest 500 companies in the stock market. There are funds that will give you exposure to technology, healthcare, real estate, you name it. There are funds for it. So now let's flip it up. Instead of now you're trying to find the perfect company, you can just every week take a little bit of money and just throw it into the total stock market. So now when the economy grows and the stock market grows, your money grows. If the economy crashes, your stocks will also go down. But you're now investing in the total economy, the total stock market. 
or you can invest in the top 500 companies. Same thing. You're getting a little piece of the 500 largest companies in the stock market. So now, if you believe that the economy is going to be bigger 10 years from now than it is today, you should put your money into the stock market. Mm. Does this mean it's going to be a straight line upwards? No, because what we have seen is that every decade or about every decade for the last century, we've gone through market crashes, we've gone through recessions, we've gone through economic downturns that are part of our economic system. And that's when most people start selling, they start panicking, they start getting scared and running away. But those are the greatest opportunities to buy. And this is where now, what do you buy? Well, if you don't know what to buy, just buy the market. Wow. by the economy. And so now it's it's understanding what is your relationship with your investments and how involved do you want to be? Because not everybody is going to be a money nerd and they want to read financial statements. Not everybody needs to do that. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to, that's okay. Then be honest with yourself. Stop trying to find the next hot stock if you're not willing to analyze the company, if you're not willing to keep up with the earnings calls, if you're not willing to actually do the work. You don't have to. There's nothing wrong with that. But then if you don't want to do that, use the funds and just keep passively investing your money every week, every two weeks, every month, and just keep throwing your money into it. Maybe mm. it's real estate. Maybe it's your own business. Again, there's a lot of ways you can do it. But if you want to become wealthy, the way you do that is through investing. In the UK, we have an account called Hargreaves and Lansdowne, and they have funds like that as well, where it kind of does it for you. You don't really necessarily have to read all the weekly reports and become a money expert. It's very much organized for you into different areas and different funds that you can invest in. I'm a bit confused because the way in which you're telling me that I can make money seems easy. It seems, though, that I also need a lot of money. So can I start investing with one pound a day? You can start investing with as little as one pound. Now, are you going to become rich tomorrow with a one pound investment? No. The more money you invest, the wealthier you can become. And this is where now understanding, if we go back to what we were talking about a minute ago, you have to know how to spend less, how to earn more to invest the difference. There's three keys or three factors that will determine how wealthy you become when it comes to investments. I call them TRD, time, return, dollars. Time is how much time your money has to compound and grow. R is the return, which is how fast you can grow your money. And D is dollars, how much money can you invest? So we can't go back and start investing yesterday. We mm. can't go back and start investing when we're 19 or 25 or whatever. So we don't want to focus on that. All we know is that the more time your money has to grow and compound, the wealthier you become. Second is our return. How can you grow your money faster? This is about the velocity of money. The faster you can double your money, the wealthier you become. It's pretty, I mean, it's simple to understand because if you have $1,000 and you can double $1,000 by next year, then you can double it again, you can double it again, you can double it again, you can see how fast you can start to grow your money. Now, I'm not saying you're going to double your money in a year, but the faster you can double your money, the faster you're going to be able to become wealthy. Now, how do you get better returns? You become more of an active investor, not a trader, but now you can start researching companies. You can get involved with rental properties. You can start doing a lot of other things to be more involved with your investments to find better returns. Which brings me to D, dollars, or here it'd be pounds. How can you invest more money? Because the more money you invest, the wealthier you will become. Mm. And you want to understand now, the whole purpose of investing is to grow your wealth. Investing means I'm taking my money, I'm going to put it to work. You need money to invest. Yeah. You don't need money to get the money. So you got to get the money first whether it's through your own business, whether it's through your job, whether it's through whatever, you got to get the money. Investing is how you grow that money. Now, 
you can start investing with one pound. And this is where now a lot of people get turned off because they say, well, if I invest, let's just say 100 pounds, I'm not going to really make a lot of money. If I can get a 10% return, which is a very good return, that means after one year, I'm only going to make a 10 pound investment. Like after a year, that's less than a pound a month. That, that doesn't do anything for me. And you're right. But what if now you can invest 100 pounds a month? And now every month you invest another 100. So now it's 100 pounds, 100 pounds, 100 pounds, 100 pounds. And then as your money starts to make you money, you reinvest that. Because every 100 pounds you invest, if you can get a 10% return, it's making you an additional 10. The next month's 100 pounds is going to make you an additional 10 over the next year. And if you keep reinvesting that, now you have this machine where you're working to add 100 pounds a month. And your money is working to grow. And as your money grows, you reinvest that money as well. So you're slowly starting to build this machine that over your lifetime, you can start to build a real nest egg. And if you start early enough, if you start in your early to mid 20s, the 100 pound investment can make you a millionaire. What we've seen for the last number of decades that if you would have started investing when you were 21, and you invested 100 pounds a month, and you just got the average historical stock market returns, which have been around 10% a year, especially in the United States, that's what they've been, you would retire a millionaire with a small 100-pound investment. But the reason why so many people don't do that is because they say, I don't want to wait till I'm 65 <laughs> to have that money. I want to have the nice car today. I want to have the nice stuff today. Why would I want to be rich tomorrow? And the reason is because tomorrow's going to come. And either you're going to be broke or you're going to be wealthy. And if you want to become wealthy, you got to put in the steps today. And that means you got to make some sacrifices today. And so, you know, it goes back to that. What do you want? If you don't want to become wealthy, then don't. If you don't want to invest, then don't. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just trying to show you that if you want to become wealthy, if you want to break out of this financial system, if you want to break out of the system of being broke, always being in debt, always wondering how you're going to make your next paycheck, you got to change some things around. Mm. And you got to be honest with yourself. Because if you want to have that financial freedom, the three steps are there. You got to spend less. You got to control your spending, the cash outflow. You got to control the cash inflow. Then you got to invest the difference. The reason why so many people won't do it is number one, they, they have the mental barriers. Or number two is I don't want to make the actual sacrifice because that's hard. Because if I told you, you're going to have to sacrifice that car and you're going to have to live in a smaller apartment for a few years, most people will say, I'm not doing that. Screw you, just breathe. Okay, that's fine. I mean, that's your choice. And that's where you got to be honest with yourself and just decide what it is that you want. I call it a decade of sacrifice. And that means you got to put in the time. A decade is not tomorrow because most people love selling this idea of get rich quick. <laughs> and people like that because it sells. Nobody wants to buy get rich slowly. Mm. But get rich slowly works. Get rich quick makes somebody else rich. I so. have to challenge you on that though. Okay. Because there are going to be a lot of people that are going to say, that's all well and good, but I'm already struggling. I'm already in my decade of struggling. I'm a doctor. I'm earning £35,000 a month, a month, a year. I have maybe 50, 100 pounds left at the end of every month. And that can give me one bit of joy for like a present for my mom or, you know, to go out for dinner once a month. I don't go out for dinner. I don't have a nice car. I take the train to work. I don't buy expensive things. I'm struggling. I can't ever escape the system. What do they do? Well, you got to figure out what's more important to you right now. Because if you only have a 50 to 100 pounds a month, 
and you want to decide if you want to treat yourself or invest in yourself, you have to make that decision first. Because every person who became wealthy, and I don't care where they came from, made that decision to invest in themselves first. And that's tough. The second thing, I know you're not going to like me for this. but No, I like it. I, say, I, I like it. <laughs> the second thing is you got to look at your time. And I can't speak for Great Britain. I can't speak for the UK. In the United States, there was a study that came out this year that said that the average American is watching almost three hours of television a day. And when I did that, I said that, saw that, I started talking about the best return on investment that you can make if you're struggling with money is to cancel your Netflix subscription. And it wasn't so you could save 10 or $15 a month. It's so you could save that two to three hours of time a day. And what you said was the exact feedback that I got. Jaspreet, I work so hard. I'm working 8, 9, 10, 11 hours a day. Mm. When I go home, when I turn to Netflix, that's my downtime. Mm. That's my relaxing time. Okay, that's fine. That's your choice. But somebody is going to say, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this 30 minutes to an hour of downtime a day. I want a free life. I want to have something completely different. And that means you're going to have to make a different sacrifice today. That means canceling the Netflix, turning the Netflix time into learning time or into earning time. Because if you really want to earn, you have to know how to learn. And now you've made a little bit more financial sacrifices. Maybe you downsize a little bit more. Maybe you sell some of your stuff because every single person listening to this or watching this has things that they can sell. Agree. Every single person listening to this has things that they don't have to spend money on. So I know you can squeeze a little bit more money out. Then I know you can squeeze a little bit more time. And it's hard. I get it. You're working hard. Don't stop now. You're already going through the crap. Why would you want to stop in the crap? Get out of it. You can get out of the system. But you got to go a little bit further. Sometimes you got to squeeze a little bit more out. And now, where do you start putting that money? Maybe you do need to earn more money. If you are spending as little as possible, great. If you are making those financial sacrifices, great. Don't stop. You're already working hard. Now figure out how you can earn some more money and how you can start investing. If you got 50 pounds a month to invest, start with that. Then figure out how you can earn more money. Mm. If you can find an extra hour a day, maybe you sleep a little bit less. And I know everyone's going to say, but I need my sleep. Fine. But you need that money too. Okay. Don't stop in the crap because it's hard. Keep going because you want to get out of it. And just keep working now. Figure out how you can earn some more money. Mm -hmm. put that money to work. Don't use that more money to drive a faster car. Don't use that more money to have a bigger apartment. Don't use that more money to go on the nice vacations. The, the big mistake people make when they earn more money is the increase in lifestyle. If you really want to become wealthy because you've been through that crap, I get it. You got to now stop increasing your lifestyle when you make more money. Increase your investments first. And I'll tell you, like, I, I mean, it's hard. When I was in, so we were, we were talking about how you were supposed to be an attorney, yeah. right? I was supposed to be a doctor. And when I told my parents I didn't want to be a doctor because I had this traditional Indian house that I had two options. I could either be a doctor or I could be a failure. My parents uh, were very upset when they, I told them that I wasn't going to be a doctor. Um, I didn't grow up with any financial education. I didn't grow up with understanding what an investment was, what rental properties were, what dividends were. I'd never heard of these things. These were completely foreign to me. I had to figure them out on my own in secret because if my parents found out I was doing these entrepreneurial ventures or investing, they would have been furious. So I told them I didn't want to be a doctor. I told them I wanted to 
be an entrepreneur. I don't even know what that meant at the time. Yeah. <laughs> they had no idea what that meant. They were just so angry. And so my dad said essentially that if I want to keep any pride in the family, I have to go out and become an attorney. Uh, okay. So, right? I didn't tell you that part during our, our little talk before, but I went out, I went to law school, I became a licensed attorney. I never worked a day as an attorney. And the way that I looked at it was during that time that I was in law school, this was my time I have to figure it out. So I was going to law school full time for the first year and a half. Then I went part time, but I was in law school, but I was working on my business full time. And so now I'm waking up early, going to classes, doing my thing. But every time I'm not in class, I'm working on my own business. I'm working on me. I didn't have free time. I wasn't watching TV. And I'm not saying this to be a motivational speaker that, oh, you can only work, work, work. No, listen, the goal is not to work yourself to death. Yes. But you got to be willing to make a sacrifice when the sacrifice has to be made. And thank God you said that. I feel like everyone's just constantly saying you can work for two hours a day and become a millionaire. No, you can't. You got you. There's a there's a time and place to make a sacrifice. And you, you know, and some people will talk about, oh, but I need my sleep. I need this. You can, you got to figure out what is most important to you in that moment. There's a certain time and place where now you can get all your sleep, hang out with your friends, mm-hmm. travel, do certain things. But if you're in a stage in your life where you need more money, you're going to have to make certain sacrifices. If you're in a stage in your life where you're trying to raise kids, you got to make different sacrifices. If you're in a stage in your life where you're trying to work on your relationship, you got to make different sacrifices. So right? True. Everything in your life, there are certain sacrifices that you need in order to achieve that goal. And for me, because the financial part was such a driving force to me because I knew there was this there was this bug inside of me. I knew I had to become an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to become successful financially. Why? Because I saw how hard my parents struggled. I didn't get to spend much time with my parents or my dad growing up. My dad never had any free time. And I wanted to be able to buy my dad's time back. That was my like motivation since I was a kid. And I knew that I wanted to become successful. So when I told my parents I didn't want to be a doctor, the thing that I heard was I'm throwing away all the sacrifices that I, my parents made. I'm throwing away everything and I'm throwing away my chances of success. And mm. in my mind, it's like, no, I'm not. I, I want to do something. You just don't see what I see. Now, I understand where my parents were coming from. What they did was out of love. They just didn't have the financial education. So I don't blame them. Mm. I have a very great relationship with my parents still. But this is where now you got to understand, now, where is that sacrifice to be made? When I was in law school, uh, I was fortunate to, I was making um, I was making six figures, uh, $100,000 a year while I was in law school. Wow. And I knew because prior to law school, I got involved with my real estate investment. So let me back up a little bit so people know kind of where I'm coming from here. Because I started my first real company when I was in college. Um, In high school, I'll go back even more so you can understand how I got there. In high school, um, I played a drum, an Indian drum called the toll. I started playing that at at weddings because I played it at my uncle's wedding. The DJ there said, hey, do you want to make some money? I can hire you to play it at other people's weddings. I was like, sure. My parents hated the idea. So I had to do it in secret. So now I'm I'm this high school kid. I'm playing this drum at people's weddings. I'm making a little bit of money, $50 or $100. And slowly I started to learn a little bit more, meet some more DJs and charge a little bit more. By the end of high school, I was probably charging $200 to $250 per event. So it was pretty decent money when you're 15, 16, 17 years old. But because I got to meet the DJs, the even more valuable part was I got to learn about their business. And a lot of these DJs were older to me. And towards the end of my high school career, the middle part of my high school career, one of the DJs I was working with said, do you want to start hosting parties? 
uh, sure. Uh, he had this idea to work with this restaurant, an Indian restaurant that needed marketing, they needed exposure. So they were letting him host parties there for free. We would charge cover. So he was like, let's start hosting teen parties because I know people in my high school. So I started promoting parties to kids in my high school. We would charge them cover. And the first event, we made $4. $2 for him, $2 for me. But it was fun. And I learned a lot. And then we started doing a little bit more parties here and there uh, when I was in high school. I don't drink. I don't party. But <laughs> it was just a business. It was a way for me to make money at the time. I go to college not knowing what to expect. Um, I just kind of went there. And I thought everybody goes to college to study hard and become this, this very successful person. I don't know people go there to party and drink. I am, and I had absolutely no idea. Right? My parents didn't go to school in the United States. They didn't go to college or university there. And you're probably like, what is happening here? <laughs> I was mind blown. Number one, at how much people were partying and drinking. And number two, how much money they were blowing because college is expensive, especially in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so now I was like, well, what do I do? I don't party. I don't drink. It's not my scene, but I need something to do on Friday nights. So, well, why don't I take this teen party business idea, bring it to college? So now here I am. I was 17 when I started and I started knocking on doors at the different clubs, bars, venues, restaurants to see if somebody would let me host parties there. And I got a few yeses, but they would all want like a $10,000 deposit to host a party, which I didn't have. So I said, no, I can't do that. Eventually, I found a club that said, yeah, you can host parties here. All we want is 50% of the commission that you generate, 50% uh, of the cover that you charge. So I charge somebody $10 to come in. The club takes five bucks. I take $5. I said, okay, that works for me. Now I needed a DJ. I already had my network of DJs and I made the same deal with them. You take 50% of what I generate. So now if somebody pays $10, $5 goes to the club, $2.50 goes to the DJ, the other $2.50 goes to me. Now I was in business. Now, it wasn't a very easy thing to get started with. I had a, a lot of failures in the beginning because when you're working with club owners, they can be very shady. Mm. They can be very uh, manipulative and lie to you a lot. So in the beginning, it was very tough. But I started to build a little bit of traction, started to make a little bit of money. And that kind of fueled the next stage of my financial education journey, which was in the beginning, I was taking my money and putting it into watches and my car. Mm -hmm. Because as a party promoter, you got to look the part, right? I got to have a nice watch on my wrist, got to have a nice car, got to look very, you know, like that person. And I started reading books about money. And I started learning about, you know, assets versus liabilities. And I was like, holy moly, I have zero assets. I have nothing that's making me money, but I have a whole bunch of liabilities which make me look rich. So I started flipping. I said, I'm no longer going to spend money on liabilities. And I tend to do things in extremes. So I stopped spending money on liabilities completely. Then I started learning about assets. And every business book and money book that I read said that wealthy people invest in real estate. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know any real estate investors. So I realized that you could buy rental properties and you can rent it out. And then a tenant would pay rent. And that could then cover the property expenses and put some money into your pocket every single month. And you don't have to do something to get paid. Like I didn't have to host a party or do something, go to work to get paid. That seemed crazy to me because I'd never heard of this concept, almost like passive income before. And I'm 19. I was <laughs> studying to take the medical college admission test, which is a test you take to get into medical school in the United States. And this was in 2011. 
when real estate prices were at rock bottom because we went through the 2008 crash in the United States. And in the area that I was in, real estate was hit exceptionally hard. So I decided, well, you know what? I have a little bit of cash in the bank. How about I start looking for rental properties? And I found this condo that was originally sold for $150,000. But because of the recession, because of the economic slowdown, the real estate crash, it went through foreclosure. It went through all these issues and it was on sale for $8,400. The total price. Insane. It's hard to believe it. I didn't know it was crazy. See, you had that shock. When I saw it, I thought that was normal because I'm 19. I had never seen anything else, right? I have never been exposed to real estate or anything else before. What? So I made an offer for $4,000 because I figured, you know, that's a lot of money, right? When you're 19, <laughs> you, don't know, 50 off. you don't know if an $8,000 condo was expensive or cheap because that was, a, you know, just getting started. We went back and forth and uh, I got a kind of a letter from the, the bank that owned the property saying that there's now multiple offers on the property. I need to make my highest and best bid and then they're going to pick the highest offer. So I offered $8,000. They accepted my offer. I bought it for $8,000. I put in a few thousand dollars worth of work and then I rented it out for $600 a month. So I was 19 when I bought the condo. Actually, funny, I took the the test, the medical college admission test on August 22nd. On August 23rd, I closed on the condo. Um, no I bought way. it. I was 19. I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't know anything. I made so many mistakes, which is a whole video in and of itself. I got sued. I had a whole bunch of things happen because I didn't know, right? I mean, I just went in and did it, but I learned a lot. And that was the first time I had ever experienced the power of investing because now I was making a little bit of money every single month and I didn't have to host a party. I didn't have to go work at a wedding. I didn't have to do this thing. I owned an asset that was paying me. And now that light bulb went off. I was like, holy moly. I had gone through so much schooling. I was studying to become a doctor so I can become financially successful. But never once did I learn a thing about investing. Never once did I learn a thing about passive income. Never once did I learn a thing about becoming wealthy. Why are we going to school? We're going to school to get a good degree, to get a good job, to make money. But there's a difference between making money and becoming wealthy. Because if I want to become wealthy, you have to own more of these assets. Because for me now, in my mind is... I just got to own more of these rental properties and I'll be wealthy. I don't mm -hmm. need to be a doctor to do that. And now I started asking, why did I want to be a doctor? I wanted to become a doctor because my parents told me that's how I become successful. Why did I want to become successful so I could take care of my parents? Well, if I want to maximize my income as a doctor, what do I do? I got to maximize my patients. And you can start to see where that's a problem because I'm trying to, if I'm trying to see the most number of sick patients possible, that means I might not be spending a lot of time with you. I might not be providing you with the best care. That didn't sit right with me. And so for me, I, I realized I was becoming a doctor for all the wrong reasons. I was checking all the boxes. I got good grades. I'm studying hard. I got the well-roundedness. I'm doing everything. I just wasn't checking my boxes. Mm -hmm. And see, that was that, that light bulb because now I'm realizing I have different goals. And I was just going down the wrong path because I was so narrow-minded. I was just, I never was exposed to anything else. And this had completely now shifted my thinking. So now... I get involved with a lot more entrepreneurial ventures. And my goal now is make money, buy rental properties. Make money, buy rental properties. But I have mm -hmm. to say, your, your situation is very unique. It is. It's, it's unusual. It is. If I could buy a rental property for £8,000, I think I would think that same way. Well, you know what? Let me tell you, because I knew a lot of people who had way more money than I did. And I ran that idea by them. Okay. Nobody wanted to do it. Why? Because... 
when you go through any sort of downturn, the sentiment changes. Now, this is going to be hard to imagine, but this is 100% true. When we were in the bottom of that 2008 crash, the sentiment was you should never own a home. Owning a home is risky. This is how everybody's lost their shirt. In America, it was very bad, okay. where people were living in tents, people were getting foreclosed on, the banks were taking their homes left and right. So there was a very negative connotation, a very negative association with owning a home. And so I would share this idea with people who had way more money. We should buy rental properties and look at this. And the whole the, the whole sentiment was buying a rental property is bad and it will cost you your life savings. It might even cost you your life. Now, if we fast forward, and I'll show you a more recent example of that, because when 2020, the pandemic hit, mm -hmm. this was a little bit different because now I was making YouTube videos on the Minority Mindset channel. And so I got to see more of the public sentiment. When 2020 hit, the pandemic shut everything down. The stock market starts crashing. I'm making YouTube videos. And I talked very openly in my YouTube videos saying, hey guys, stock market's crashing. I'm buying. I'm buying stocks. Every time we see these big down days, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And if you remember, it was a scary time. Mm. Nobody knew if the economy is going to open tomorrow. Nobody knew if we we're going to go to work tomorrow. Nobody knew if basketball is going to still be happening. Like no, no one knew anything. Like how scary is this pandemic? <laughs> Nobody knew. It was a scary time. Now, the way I looked at it and I talked about this was, uh, yeah, it's scary. If we all survive, then the economy will open again. If we don't survive, then what good does it make anyways? I mean, we're all dead. I didn't know. And so I talked about, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm buying stocks on the way down because what we've seen throughout history is anytime you see panic, anytime you see fear, it creates opportunities. And the comments that I got were floods of people saying, Just please, you have lost your mind. Why would you buy now? The world is ending. The whole market's going to collapse. The whole economy is going to collapse. Our entire economic system is going to collapse panic. Anytime you go through these downturns, you see panic because it's that, again, that mass media, that mass appeal, which creates panic. But what happened in the United States went down, 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 and then poof, it rocketed back up. Later in 2020, the stock market was breaking new record highs. Now I work in finance where I have a company called Briefs Media. We cover the daily financial news. We do a lot of stuff in the financial space and I've studied a lot of financial history. And I would have never thought that the central banks were going to print that much money and grow the economy and the markets that much. Mm -hmm. But they did. And so now it's like, oh, did I get lucky? I mean, yeah, I did. But I didn't think that that was what's going to happen. But I knew that what we've seen throughout economic downturns is that markets go up, markets go down. When markets go down, people run away, they panic, they get scared, they tell everybody not to get involved. When markets go up, that's when everybody says, this is the time to buy. Nothing can go wrong. The markets are going to continue going up forever. That's when most people buy. It starts to go down. And then people hate markets. They hate the investing idea because you go through these emotional swings because you're just looking at the mass media. Mm. But this is where you have to have the financial education. And that's one of the reasons why I created Briefs Media was because we have this newsletter called Market Briefs where we cover the financial news without all the emotion. So and that was one of the reasons that really drove me to that because even on like YouTube, for example, YouTube is a game where if you have a 
a boring title. Like, let's say I'm making two a video with two title options. One is, um, here's what's happening in the stock market in 10 minutes. And option number two is, invest in the stock market before this thing happens. What's going to drive more clicks? This one, the one with the more attractive title. If you have the boring title, nobody watches it, and YouTube will never promote it, mm -hmm. and your channel dies. <laughs> so I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's the way that the internet works, is you have to kind of cater to people's emotions. Yeah. And my goal, because I, I hated this, my team had a like an intervention with me that we got to stop with these boring titles and kind of get people more interested because once they're inside, at least you can provide good content, good value. Yes. So I understood that aspect. But unfortunately, with a lot of other things, there's not a lot of good substance. It's just fear or it's panic or it's excitement, right? You sell these emotions. And that's where market briefs was like a, a big, like I wanted to break. I was like, how can we break away from all these emotions? Mm. If we can have a financial newsletter that when you open the newsletter, everything is there. You don't need any of the title. You don't need any of that emotion. You just tell people what's going on. Mm -hmm. Here's what's happening in stocks. Here's what's happening in housing. Here's what's happening in crypto. Here's what's happening in the, you know, the global economy. It's all there. And that was like a big driving factor is just seeing the emotions in the news now, I wanted to break away from all of that sensationalism, which is why I really kind of, it was my fuel for market briefs to break away from all that emotion and have somebody actually learn what's happening mm. without all the wild roller coaster emotions. But this is where now just understanding, you know, markets go up, markets go down. It's a part of the economic system. And you want to be able to find the opportunity and understanding now you got <laughs> the original point, the why I got to this was because when I was in law school, uh, I was making uh, decent money, but I was spending nothing. I was spending or next to nothing. I lived in an apartment where I was paying, I think, uh, just under $400 a month because I didn't have a room. I slept on the living room floor. What? I had a uh, mattress that I kept in the hallway. So I'd drag out the mattress, mattress, put it down, put down my sheets, go to sleep, wake up, fold the sheets, and put the mattress back in the hallway. I was making good money. I was making six figures, but I was making money not to spend on liabilities just so I could go out and buy more rental properties. That was the game that I was playing. Wow. And so it's, you know, where are you in your, in your spectrum, in your sphere of, I have to make certain sacrifices in order to achieve mm -hmm. a certain thing. Every thing worth having is going to require sacrifices, whether it's money, whether it's relationships, whether it's happiness, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. You just got to figure out where it is for you right now. What are the other common mistakes that most people make and how do we overcome them? Yeah. So if you look beyond the mindset, then the biggest mistakes that people make with their money, and we already touched on this a lot through the podcast, but the two biggest mistakes is they spend and they save all their money, the two S's. Mm. Now, spending is pretty easy to understand. If you make $1,000 and you spend $1,000 or you spend $2,000, you are never going to become wealthy, right? It's your choice. And you can hate the government, the banks, corporations, but no one's putting a gun to your head to spend your money. Yes, it can be very hard. There's always a way. And now it's your choice of you to say, you know, ah, there's nothing I can do or there's something I can do you have to reframe the way you think. And so now it goes back to the mindset thing, which is now how do you develop that mindset? Go out, read five personal development books, read five self-development books, read five books on improving your mindset. If you do that, I guarantee six months from now, you're going to look at the world very differently. 
And I know you can find the time and the money to go out and read those books. And, you know, it's kind of funny. You're talking about personal responsibility. I'm getting a little sidetracked, but I want to talk about this on that personal responsibility because one of the funny things is I'll, I'll get DMs or messages of people asking, you know, should I buy this book or this book should I read? And, and people really think hard about if I'm going to invest in my education, how can I get the most value out of this 20 bucks or these $200 I'm going to spend? When you go to the mall, you'll spend the $200 on a shirt or on a pair of shoes like that. No problem. And you don't think about it. But when it comes to your own education, we will question the heck out of it. Will I get my money's worth? Will I get my value? Will I get every penny out of this? But do you ask that same question when you go and buy those shoes or those shirts or the cars or the vacations? And so, you know, it's understanding what is a bigger priority for you because you have to be willing to invest in the education. Correct. So if you're spending all of your money on things that don't make you money, you're never going to become wealthy. And then the saving we already talked about, which is if you are now just taking the money and putting it in the bank and just letting it sit there, the world around you is getting more expensive. Your savings are not growing. Maybe they're growing a little bit, but the world is getting more expensive faster than your savings are growing, which is why you got to take that money to work. And those are the two biggest mistakes that people make is first I save, spend all my money. Mm -hmm. And then when you break out of the spending, you start saving your money, but you got to go a little bit further. And that means putting your money to work. But how do we overcome those money blocks? Because the reason why people are saving their money is because they're scared. They're scared they're going to lose it. They're scared they're going to be left homeless. They're scared they're going to be in a position yeah. where all of their money is tied up yeah. into an investment that they are now powerless without. Yeah, and you don't want to go out and invest everything tomorrow. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing is you don't have to take all the money in the bank and throw it into an investment. I don't think you should do that. I think that's mm -hmm. a very bad and risky thing to do unless you're experienced and know what you're doing. I mean, go back to what we were saying. You can start with one dollar, one pound. Once you have some skin in the game, you're going to be much more inclined to learn. So start with a little bit. Start mm -hmm. with one pound or 100 pounds a month or 10 pounds a week, whatever you're comfortable with. Start with where you are. Start putting that money to work. As you start to learn, now you can start putting in more. And as you earn more, you can invest more. And it's really just understanding now you want to put your money to work. And the reason why so many people fail is because they either want the success tomorrow or they never get started. It's not because you made a bad investment. It's because most people never get started, which is why most people never see that success. And once you start, you will learn. Will you make mistakes? Yeah. Will you lose money? Yeah, it's a part of the process. But never doing anything, never getting started, never investing your money is also a risk too. You're guaranteed to lose. Mm. So now it's which one would you rather choose? And again, don't take all of your money, go and throw it in the markets tomorrow, but start learning about it. Start investing a little bit. Mm. And as you learn more, you can do more. Everything you've just said applies to every part of your life. Because if you're so afraid of doing something, you'll do nothing. And if you do nothing you're going to be so afraid of doing something. And it's a circle. We're it constantly is. looping around. It's like a business. So many people are so scared to even start. So then they never do it. And then they work themselves up thinking about how the fact that they've never started and then they just never end up doing it. And I think that in life, it's so important to sometimes take risks, take small risks and then build them up. We don't all have to jump to invest a million dollars in Apple tomorrow. And I think we've got to get out of this narrative of thinking, oh, you know, all these memes you see. If you invested one dollar in Apple 5,000 years ago, you would be a trillionaire right now. Yeah, great. Well, I didn't do that. OK, so <laughs> what can I do? And I guess 
what can somebody who's listening to this podcast right now do to get them closer to reaching their goals in terms of where do they invest? What do they do? How do they learn about it? You just got to get started. And uh, I want to touch on uh, kind of what you were just saying. So I had a really good friend of mine who followed the traditional path. He went and became an engineer, got a good job, but he hated his job. And so I think it was 25 or 26 when I, you know, I said, well, dude, why don't you just try something new? You're 25, 26 and just do something else. His response to me was, I'm too invested. I'm too deep. I got my degree. I spent all this money on this degree. I got a good job. I can't change. 28. We start having that conversation again a couple of years later. Uh, dude, why not start now? He's like, oh, you know, I, I just got a nice promotion. I'm working up in the career. I I, I can't do it now. You know, I, I'm an engineer and I'm more years. Like, you're only 28 years old. Uh, nothing. When you turn 30, he kind of had this like, uh, he called it a midlife crisis, but you know, just a <laughs> funny thing. But he was like, ah, oh, dude, I'm not happy with my life. I'm not happy with my career. I'm not making enough money. He was making good money. He's like, I just, things are just not right. Well, why don't you change? Dude, I'm, I've been working in this career for five years. I've, I'm working my way up. I, you know, I just got to keep going. He's 34 now. And I was realizing, wow, maybe I should have started when I was 26. And now at 34, he's finally made that change. He actually just quit his job. Amazing. And now he's working on his own business that he's been working on for a little while. But it's never too late. We put this like this film on our mind that oh, I'm 25, I'm 35, I'm 45, I'm 55. It's too late. Mm. You have a long life ahead of you. You have a lot of years ahead of you. If you think that you know it's too late, What's going to happen in five years? The time is going to go on. So might as well start making that change now mm. because you still have time ahead. And we start to worry about what I call whooped. What will other people think? If you're always worried about what other people think, you're never going to be able to live your life. And so you got to just, you got to get out of your own head. Yeah. You got to be okay being different. And now the question is, how do you do that? I'm not a the best personal development or, you know, life advice person but thing that I would say if you want to ask me for my advice go out and do something you're really uncomfortable with go out and take an acting class take mm. a singing class take a boxing class get punched in the face get out of your <laughs> comfort zone and do something completely different get scared because when you realize oh yeah after the first couple of classes you get the hang of it I I did an acting class for that reason and you know, you're around people that want to be actors. I don't even know how to talk in front of, this is, you know, when I didn't even know how to talk in front of a camera. <laughs> it's weird. Mm. I took a boxing class. I didn't know what to expect. Everybody there was like a trained fighter. I got punched in the face. Oh yeah, it hurt, <laughs> but you know, you get back up and you learn how to get out of your comfort zone. That is the best way for you to go out and do something. Go and take a class, take $200, take a class on anything that you're uncomfortable with. Yeah. Get out of your comfort zone. Now realize hey, you can do whatever you want. Who cares what other people think? <laughs> and just start taking some action. Whether it's books, podcasts, YouTube, doesn't matter. When you're talking about what would other people think, I think I lived a lot of my life based on that. And I think a lot of people do. And my question to you is to remember somebody who has been at the end of their life. And are they telling you how much they hated that person when they were 18 because they stole their girlfriend? Are they telling you how stupid they were at 30 because they lost 2,000 pounds in an investment? Are they telling you how they don't like their business? No, they don't care. Anyone you know will not care about the people in their community when it's the end of their life. They will only care about you who's sitting in front of them. 
that is the only person they care about and who impacted their lives right yeah and so we're so focused on what would other people think about us they will forget about you in a year two years three years five years in fact everyone will forget about you in a hundred years time no one is going to remember me in a hundred years time and that's why i'm just so tired of constantly thinking about what other people think don't get me wrong it still affects me but am I going to base my decision? Am I going to base my future? And am I going to create my path based on what you want me to do? Or am I going to do it based on what I want me to do? Because I don't have to live with your negative thoughts every single day. Yeah. But I do have to live with mine that told me that yeah. I gave up on my dream because of you. Yeah. And I'm just not going to let you do that to me. I love that. And so now I just feel like you're going to be rude to me. You'd, you'd, you'd be rude to me. I might be upset. I might cry for a little bit. But I'm going to move on. Right? I love that. And I think what you've just spoken about in this whole podcast is that we have that control, we have that power. And a lot of people don't want to know that they have that. We don't want to feel empowered sometimes. I want to believe that the school education system has taught me the wrong decisions. I want to believe that I am sucked in from the taxes from this government. And I want to believe that I will never be rich mm -hmm. because that's an easy option. I have to take zero responsibility. I can watch my Netflix for two hours a day. I don't have to watch your YouTube videos. Yeah. Right? And I think that a lot of the time we've got to reframe that in our own minds. See, when you're pointing fingers at it's the government, it's corporations, it's banks, it's everything else, it's your boss that's keeping you where you are, you're pointing your finger at somebody else, but what you don't realize is there's three fingers pointing right back at you. <gasps> and this is where so now... True. Yeah, see? They're pointing right there at you. And you have to understand that you are the one that's responsible for your life, for your happiness, for your success, for your wealth, for your family's success. And once you can take that accountability, once you stop blaming others, once you say, I'm in charge of everything wrong, even if it's not your fault, if somebody else does something wrong, if you blame yourself, you will now find solutions. If you stop blaming everybody else for things that go wrong and you start saying, you know what? Everything is my fault. Mm -hmm. I think that's what uh, Tom Bilyeu says, my friend. Everything is my fault. When you start taking that responsibility for everything going wrong, even if it's not your fault, you're going to start finding the solutions because you're not going to realize I'm in control. And who's growing out of that? You. It's, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. you're, why would you want to be powerless? Why wouldn't you want to feel powerful? Because you can change it. Yeah. If you take responsibility, you can change it next time. Yeah. If you come on this podcast and you're rubbish, you weren't, by the way, you're amazing. <laughs> but if you come on this podcast and you're rubbish and I say, well, the guest was just rubbish, mm -hmm. maybe it was my questions. Maybe it was how warm I was. Maybe it was the environment. Maybe it was the way in which I interacted with you. Mm -hmm. Because if I change those things, then the next person might not be so rubbish. Yeah. Right? Exactly. But it's easy to blame other people. Before we close, what do you think is the number one thing people just don't understand about money? Oof. Well, I think what I would like to say to that is is people don't understand the way the economic system works. And the reason why that's important is because fortunately or unfortunately, rather unfortunately, it is profitable to keep people financially uneducated. It's profitable to keep people poor. And now you might hear that and say, Just pretty, what are you talking about? That sounds really bad, negative, and evil. Well, if you understand the economic system, which is something I wish the school systems would teach, our economic system runs on spending. Mm -hmm. That means the more money you spend, the more money somebody else makes. If you don't spend your money and you save your money and everybody else starts to do that, our whole economic system would fail because no one's spending money and buying things. Now, of course, everybody has to spend money, but there's a whole industry of people 
that want you to spend all of your money, go into debt and spend your money because it's good for the economic system. But it's not your patriotic duty to be <laughs> broke to keep the economic system running. Mm. And it is your duty now to take care of yourself, your family, and your finances. And that means you got to break out of the system of just fueling the system, going into debt to fund the system, spending all of your money to now making yourself wealthy first. I want you to have all the nice things. I mean, make sure this is clear. We end with this. I want you to drive the nice car. I want you to have the things that you want. If you want nice handbags, fine. I don't care what it is that you want. You know, you want to have the money to buy the nice things, but I want you to be able to afford it mm -hmm. first. I don't want you to sacrifice your wealth, your chance of becoming rich just to make somebody else rich. Make yourself rich first. I love that. Thank you so much. And I think I'm definitely going to sign up to your newsletter because I think you've just broken it down very simply. And we spoke about this before. It's not that complicated. And I think, like you said, everyone benefits from people not being financially educated. So I'm hoping to change that now as well. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure.